Welcome to episode three of the Ultra Speaking Podcast. I'm Tristan DeMontebello. We have Michael Gendler coming in in just a bit. Episode three is called Presenting with No Notes. If you've ever worked with us and know anything about Ultra Speaking, you know that we're all about freedom on stage, freedom in the moment, freedom when speaking. And you can't feel free if you're thinking about your notes. You can't feel free if you've memorized everything you have to say. And if you haven't slept, if you've overprepared for your presentation, you're probably tired and feeling terrible out of your mind the day of. So our approach is very, very different. And in this episode, we share everything we know about presentation training, how to give a killer presentation without having to have notes, how to deal with data-heavy presentations, which is a question we get a lot. We talk about where and how you should spend your time as you're preparing, what techniques you can use to boost your confidence before a presentation, what it takes to to, to feel confident before a presentation, where you can get clarity in what you're trying to convey, and, and so many more crunchy insights and techniques. I'm very excited about this one. And it's also very unique in that we're getting interviewed by one of our early students, Bradley Kennedy. And I think he did a phenomenal job of getting a lot out of us in this pretty short podcast, considering. Um, so we're going to get started in a second. But before that, I just want to share, if you want to learn more about what we do, head to ultraspeaking.com and there's a lot there for you. We have a, a new cohort of our fundamentals course that's about to start. So you can join the whitelist there and a, a lot more. And also one last thing. This is still the early, early days of our podcast. This is episode three. Every single review helps. So if you get anything out of this episode, heading to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and giving us a review is the single best way you can thank us for the value we've given you. That would mean the world to us, truly. Without further ado, here comes the content, episode three of the Ultra Speaking Podcast. I just have really four questions for you guys. My first question for you two is, what techniques or methods have you found to be most effective for memorizing a speech or speaking without notes? I don't believe in memorizing. I think it's a huge mistake. And I used to memorize everything. When I was at Toastmasters and when I was competing, every word, every comma, every breath, every step on the stage, I knew everything ahead of time. And basically all that gives you, all that turns you into is a, a performer. And speaking is more effective when it has a little bit of a conversational tone, when you feel like the person speaking to you is real, authentic, and not hiding too much from you. It doesn't feel great to be sold to just the same way it doesn't feel great to be performed to, if that makes sense. So if you start memorizing your script, then you're trapping yourself. The second you're in memorizing mode, then you're thinking back to your script when you're in front of your audience or the people you're expressing yourself to. So you're, you've trapped yourself in this situation where you can't be present, you can't flow, you can't really um, improvise and be spontaneous. 
So there's a level of memorization where in theory you could come off as natural and spontaneous, but it is an absolutely insane amount of work. And I gave the same version of a speech, I think probably a hundred times. And I was still, I don't think coming off as authentic, you know, Mm-hmm. So our our strategy is very different. Our strategy is to practice in a way where you're able to express the same idea, concept, insight spontaneously in 10 different ways. So that when you show up in the moment, you've already expressed it enough times in an, in enough different ways that you know what you're talking about. You know what works. You know what doesn't. But it's still a new take. So the way you do that is you play with time constraints. So if you have a seven-minute talk, you put on a three-minute timer. And you force yourself to get from A to Z in three minutes. Then you change the time then you bring it to five minutes, then you bring it to one minute, then you bring it to seven minutes, then you bring it to two minutes, four minutes. You want to play with time to force your brain to take different perspectives as you're expressing the same things. And in doing so, one, you get to the root of what you actually want to say. Because if you have to say, give a seven-minute speech in one minute, well, there's no other way than get rid of all of the fluff and just say what actually matters. So it really clarifies in your mind what's important and it makes it very easy to remember. And then when you expand it again, you're able to add in all of the details in one way or another. How do you apply this in a subject matter where maybe you don't have a lot of expertise or competency? Because I can see applying this um, uh, and something I'm very familiar with, but suppose I'm doing research and I'm, pre- I'm presenting something that's maybe uh, dealing with a lot of semantic type memory, facts, dates, uh, things like that. Like a, a very, I guess, data-driven work presentation where I'm spouting off facts and figures and, and things like that. How do you yeah. avoid intense memorization? Yeah. Well, imagine you're giving a data-driven presentation, right? there's still a point to it. There's still a main intention. We call, we simplify speaking to a bow and an arrow and most people don't. And the arrow is your message. The arrow is the one thing that matters most to your audience. And usually for at work, it means the project's on track or it means we need more headcount. We need more staff. Something's delayed. It's usually a high level message that if you, if that's not the message, then whatever you're communicating probably isn't as important. So usually there's one important arrow that we're trying to get to. Everything else is the bow. And the bow is the data. It's the examples. It's the research. It's all the things that are showing and illustrating and making you feel and believe that that your arrow, that your message matters. So the stronger your bow, the more you're able to really draw back and have your arrow stick. So if your bow is filled with data, then that's fine. 
but I don't believe in a world where the numbers alone are going to be the, let me put it differently. I don't believe in a world where you have to remember the numbers offhand, right? So you can put one number per slide to show different statistics, like 73% of the population has speaking anxiety, right? I don't need to remember that number. I can just put 73 on a slide and know that that is part of my pillar around anxiety. I think what's more important is that people try to remember all the details. They try to memorize all the words. They, they really want to get everything. But at the end of the day, people don't remember anything. They might remember the main idea, the message or the feeling of something's off, something's wrong, everything's fine, everything's on track. Uh, project X is going amazing. Project Y is delayed, right? There's a communication issue here. We have to address that. There's really one thing that people take away and the data supports it. So our belief is how do you communicate that one thing in a really memorable way? And data might be a part of your section. And if that's the case, put it on the slides. You don't need to remember it. You'll This number will trigger. What's more important than you knowing the data is you being able to tell the story around it. That if you didn't have any of the numbers, can you still have a narrative that will illustrate the main message you're trying to share? Given, given that idea and kind of what Tristan led with, uh, I don't believe in memorizing, would you say your time is better spent understanding the concepts and the information you want to can convey and really having a, a good in-depth understanding of that and spend time processing the content, the concepts and telling the story as opposed to even trying to memorize whatsoever. Yeah, no doubt. I think, I think people tend to, to use speaking in places where an email would be much better. If you have to share a lot of important data that people have to remember, then speaking is probably the worst thing you could do. You want an email, you want a document that somebody can refer to and that they can look up. When we're speaking, the purpose should be to convey something that is difficult to convey in writing. We want somebody to feel a certain way, or we want to all get connected on the same page. So if you think about speaking that way, then absolutely, your, your time should be spent refining your thinking, refining your understanding of the thing you want to convey, so that in the moment when it's time to speak, you're hyper in tune with what that is, and you're better able to express it. Because our belief is that you shouldn't be thinking about the words when you're speaking. You should be focused on the thing you're trying to express and the words take care of themselves. So the better you're thinking, the better the words are going to be. It's merely, speaking is merely a, an exercise of access into your best ideas. How Tristan and I approach speaking is we really spend our time thinking on two parts. The first part is what is that what is that arrow? What's the key thing we want people to walk away with? And 
that's a deceptively difficult question because it's like asking, what is your number one priority here? And that takes time. And we'll, we'll, we'll answer it only to have the next day our thinking change and, and reflect, oh, you know what? Um, it's actually quite different. The other thing we spend doing is, is saying, okay, if our key intention is to, let's say you're in a meeting, your key intention is to get funding for this project. Okay, well, I could just show them all the numbers, but maybe my boss doesn't just, isn't just going to give money. We have to make a compelling argument that yes, we need funding for this project. So our thinking becomes, how do we illustrate this in the most impactful way? Right? Maybe we need to think about other scenarios that are parallel to this in other companies in history where the question is, how do we convey this message in interesting, memorable, emotional ways? And if you, if you truly can create those ideas, create those stories, you don't need a script or even slides for that matter because you know that, okay, I'm going to talk about the Apple example. You know the gist of the Apple example because, because you understand what it represents. So you can tell it off script in your own way. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to have an Apple example. We're trying to have a, a Patagonia example. We're trying to uh, have a story of what my mom raised me to believe when I was six years old. We're trying to find experiences in our life or evidence in the world that convey our message. And when you have those in your mind, well, you know those stories. They mean something to you, so you will express them much better without a script on the spot. Absolutely. That makes sense. Thinking now, like thinking about my experiences, trying to speak and to do it in a format where I'm telling a story, where I'm trying to connect with my audience and not just recite my script, when I rehearse I, I guess kind of my method would be to try to outline my key points and trying to move from A to Z without any particular pattern. But the more I rehearsed, I found this strange effect of I would say the same things over and over and I would kind of latch onto these same statements the more I said it out loud or rehearsed it to other people. And even though I began with the intent of not memorizing, it's like I said these things out loud, they sounded good. And then I latched onto them and I ended up I ended up having a scripted rehearsed speech that I didn't set out to achieve in the first place. And then when I actually go to present, I end up kind of fumbling if I can't get back to yeah. kind of these same statements that I had previously made in my rehearsal. So I'm just wondering what advice maybe you have for avoiding that and what things to avoid when you're rehearsing so that you don't, I don't know, fall into that trap. That's where the time constraints game comes into play. The mistake you made is allowing your brain the opportunity to give itself control and to memorize. You're, the side of your brain that is freaking out, it wants absolute control. So it wants to memorize and it's stronger than everything else. So if you don't change your environment in a way where it doesn't have that opportunity, it's going to do it. That's why if I have a seven minute speech, I will almost never train seven minutes. Just like if I'm training for a marathon, I'm never going to run the 26.2 miles. 
I'm going to be running all kinds of different uh, lengths and distances. I'm going to be sprinting. I'm going to be running slow. It's the same idea. If If your speech is seven minutes, most of your practice should probably be around five minutes. But you don't, if you're only doing five minutes, then you're just recreating the same problem. So if you go from, I'm going to do one set that's five minutes, and I'm not, so this is the most important part. If you're playing this game, you can't break character. You can't stop midway and start again. You put your timer on, and it's as if you were in front of the audience. Regardless of what happens, you have to find a way to the end. Even if you stumble, even if you miss half of what you were supposed to say, even if you blank, you stay in it and you find a way to end as if that were the big day. Yeah. In doing so, you're, you're training your brain and you're training your whole being to find ways out of any struggle. And you're training in a dynamic, non-structured way which means that your your brain is not resting on a certain sequence of words for confidence. Your brain is going to naturally start resting on this idea, these, these key pillars, and this one underlying message that you're trying to convey. So it's, it's like getting lost in the woods with a compass. Suddenly you have a compass and you have waypoints or a GPS, and all you have to do is just pull it out of your pocket and you know exactly where you are and where you want to go. Yeah. That's what playing with time does. I, I, imagine you're, you're tasked with telling the story of the tortoise and the hare and you have five minutes. Well, then maybe you'd say, this is the story of the tortoise and the hare. And um, once upon a time, it was a beautiful sunny day and that the tortoise wakes up and has this coffee and then the hare appro- and you get in all this rich detail, right? But then you play around and you only have 30 seconds and you're like, okay, this is the story of the tortoise and the hare. Basically, the hare challenges the tortoise. They all go to the the start line and then boom, the tortoise takes off only to get so far ahead that it takes a nap. Maybe that was the hare. And then, and then all of a sudden, the tortoise comes from out of nowhere and wins because slow and steady wins the race. And you're like, oh man, 30 seconds. That was hard. That was tough. Oh, okay. Well, it turns out the sunny day with the cup of coffee didn't matter at all to the storyline. If I only have 30 seconds, I'm going to get the crux of it. And if you can get the crux of your story, the crux of your narrative, then it doesn't matter how many times you blank or fumble or which parts you forget. You always have that compass that Tristan's talking about. You always know where to go next. And if you don't simplify your presentation to that 30-second essence of I need to touch on this, 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 this then you really don't have the clarity of knowing your roadmap. Mm-hmm. But now if you have 20 minutes to tell the, the story of the tortoise and the hare, you could go into all sorts of wonderful detail. You could make up details. You could go off script and compare it to other parables. You have so much freedom knowing that you can always come back to the main thread, the main storyline whenever you need to. Would you say that would be the place to start? I mean, if you're going to speak on a particular subject to start with whatever the crux is and to build out from there to, to fit whatever your timeline is. Yes, but it's, it's, I wish it worked so linearly. Mm -hmm. The truth is that you have a message and you think it's the message. So you start 
telling, think of a, thinking of a story and you go, this story works great. And then you think of a second story and it also works great, but you realize, well, the two stories together are actually telling a slightly different message. And this is a better message now. And based on this new message, that first story actually should be told in a kind of different way, which makes you think of a third story, which makes your second story a little. So you're, you're oscillating between story, message, story, message, and they kind of feed into each other. They keep shaping and deciding one another until finally you realize, you know what? This is the message I want to share. This is the story I want to share. And from that clarity, now you can build it back up and say, okay, from this perspective, if I know I definitely want to share the tortoise and the hare, and I definitely believe that slow and steady wins the race, is there anything else that will support this particular route? And maybe it took you three days of thinking and grappling with the ideas to get to this clarity. But the point is that's what speaking preparation should be. It should be talking to people. It should be talking to yourself, thinking out loud, brainstorming. It shouldn't focus anything at all at speaking or memorization because everybody knows how to speak. Everybody can express their ideas. What's missing is clarity. What's missing is your ability to understand yourself. What do you want to say and, and what matters? And that part, that clarity, that's the messy part that takes time and is worth putting in the, the preparation for. I guess that's kind of my last question for you. I think I want to keep, I keep trying to boil down speaking to this linear process of I need to do X, Y, and Z, and then I will be prepared or then I'll be confident. I need to prepare in this manner. And I think I almost came into this, this interview kind of with that same objective of figuring out what is the secret sauce, what is the secret process, but how, I guess I'm asking, how do you combat that side of your brain that needs to feel in control and to kind of drive the outcome to be one particular way or to find one key method when really that's just not how speaking works? How do you combat that? Environment. I really think there's, we are, we are so weak as humans. There's this wonderful study where they, um, they put people in a movie theater and they cooked a ton of popcorn two weeks before the day of the premiere. And they brought this disgusting, like objectively chewy gum, disgusting, popcorn the day of the um of the event and they put they gave everybody the popcorn for free but they were careful to put it in two types of containers of two different sizes and both sizes were too big for a human being to finish during that one movie and what happened after is fascinating, I find. Well, first of all, some people came back and asked for their money back, even though it was given for free, which I find hilarious. But more than anything, obviously nobody was able to finish. But the people with the bigger container all ate more than the people with a smaller container. So it's not based on, I'm afraid, you know, I have more, I can keep going. I'm afraid I'm not going to finish. There was more than plenty for everybody. This is just to illustrate that our environment has so much more of an influence on how we act than we think. So as you're 
practicing, as you're training everything you're doing, if you want to release control, then you have to change your environment. So when we coach someone for a keynote, for a speech, for a pitch, the first thing we do is, okay, do you have a script? Yes, it's right here. Okay, please put it away. And they are never allowed to bring the script back out. There is never a moment where they're writing anything down. And if you do that, so you can start with a lower stake scenario where it doesn't matter that much if, if you don't do a perfect, a stellar job. But if you force yourself out of the normal environment in which you're allowed to write things down and memorize them and all of that, and you only spend your time thinking, refining, and if you're writing, it's just to refine your thinking. It's not something that you're then looking back on and trying to memorize. Then you can show up to this meeting and just express yourself and you're going to feel very different and it's going to feel you're going to experience a level of freedom that you've never experienced before and you're never going to want to go back in fact i just spoke with a client yesterday we worked with him a year and a half ago he called us up he had this huge speech that he was giving um at one of the top colleges in the united states uh, it was very important to him. He had a script. We had him throw the script away and we worked with him for a few sessions and he went there and gave the best speech of his life. This changed everything. Like it, it, it is truly a before and after moment. I was chatting with him just yesterday. So it's kind of funny that we're having this conversation today. And he said, I have to say him and his wife both went through our, our training and both, he said, both my wife and I look forward to any speech that will get, be given to us. He's, he actually said, I crave that somebody will call on me right now and say, hey, you have a speech in front of a thousand people tomorrow, because I know that regardless of my level of preparation, I'm going to be able to kill it. It's almost impossible to believe that this is actually possible. But if you experience it for yourself, you realize, oh, we've, this is not a better way of doing it. It's just, we've been doing it wrong. We've been overcomplicating this thing the whole time. And imagine that we had to give a keynote now on how to memorize your speech, right? Mm -hmm. And this was the only prep we could do, this 30 minute discussion. Well, now we can go back in time and say, okay, what really stood out? Um, and I might say, Tristan, I really liked your movie theater example. Love the I, tortoise and the hare example. I love the tortoise and the hare. And I think this ending with the guy who has to go into the college and speak, one of our clients, let's call him Tim, the Tim story is going to work well. So now we're going, okay, well, these are the three stories we have to tell. And what, <coughs> what do they have in common? What is the main theme? And we'll think about like that one message. But now when we're going in, we have no <coughs> script. We have no real prep other than the thinking we've done and the bookmarks or the pillars that represent the most engaging way to share these ideas. I can't remember who said it, but I, something came to mind uh, when you were speaking and it's uh, all knowledge is remembering. and. Throughout this entire session, I don't know why, but some of the things that you guys said that have stood out about telling a story about you don't believe in memorizing, 
about focusing on your bow and arrow. There's something that just feels intuitively correct about it. And I'm not sure if other people have said that. It sounds like it, um, like the, the, the client who spoke at the school, I mean, he was excited and now ecstatic to speak on a whim um, because there's, I don't know, there's, is, it's like I have this weird sense of relief that I don't have to memorize a script. And I don't know if you've had that with other clients, but that's all I've kind of felt throughout listening to you guys speak is just relief. Yeah. Constantly. I mean, Michael and I experienced it for ourselves and and now we want to tell everybody and you can't, (laughs) telling doesn't work. So you have to have them experience it. But I get this all the time. I just had this, this morning in coaching this, People were using the words soothing and, you know, effortlessness. Every, as, as they get better, I ask, we see huge changes and we say, what, what changed? What was the big thing? Oh, I stopped trying. I just let it happen. And I remember we, we coached a, a Navy SEAL way back in the early days uh, for his TEDx talk. And mm-hmm. he was, he had trainers in his for his talk and they were sending him in a certain direction and it was very memorized and it was very, um, there was a certain right way to do it. And then we started working with him. And in the first session we said, okay, throw away all of that. And we just asked him questions and we got to the root of what it is he actually wanted to say. And when he ended this call, he said, and this is like probably one of the scariest people I've ever met. Uh, he, he, he said, wow, my, my heart is at rest. I, and he, and exactly what you're saying, he just knew, oh, of course, of course, this is the way. And then he, he gave his speech that evening to his wife and she cried and, and that led him in that direction. Mm-hmm. And he, he'll never be able to go to the scripted old way, go back to that way. It's just not possible. Life is supposed to be unscripted. Unscripted. I I believe that. I think it'd be be pretty boring if it was scripted, right? Absolutely. And most of our speaking was unscripted everywhere. And so to script for this one interesting scenario, if if most of our speaking doesn't have a script, then the opposite feels a little bit unnatural. And unless you are an incredible like Tristan said, at memorizing and making it seem spontaneous, something will feel off. And so I, I kind of want to end this discussion by saying that that st- all of this doesn't mean that you shouldn't prepare, right? The preparation is in the thinking. We have to we have to figure out what are the stories, what are the examples that actually resonate with people. That's the research phase, and you can do that by yourself. You can do that with a buddy. You can test it out on audiences, but when it comes to deliver it, you know your stories, you know your message. So there's nothing else to prepare because the hard work was done when you were thinking about it. Quick favor. This is the very beginning of the Ultra Speaking Podcast. And at this stage, every review has a huge impact. So if you enjoyed this, leave us a review. Tell us candidly what you thought of it. That would be amazing and it would mean the world to me. Thank you.